0: I've been doing an experiment in recent years. I give someone the Bible or a group of people. I, just, I did this at the Walk Youth recently, remember? And I said, here, take this and read it, and then get back with me on it. And I said, tell me what you think. What's the first word that comes into your head? Unanimously across the room, they were like, it's big. <laughs> it's big. I do that in Africa, in the villages. Take this and go read it. And the response I get there is, mm. <laughs> mm. Now, remember, many of the people still in the village don't read. We're going to talk about that today. What's the first thing you think about? What's the first feeling you get? Let me put it that way. The, the answer I normally get is a little intimidated, slightly overwhelmed. There's a lot in there I don't understand yet. There's a lot in there. If I'm honest, I don't even like, let alone agree with, right? But today, we're going to look at one verse of Scripture that contains everything inside of it. This one verse of Scripture, been sharing this verse around the world, Seen thousands, thousands come to Christ and grow to maturity in Christ through one verse of scripture. The word of God truly is living and active. It's powerful. You know, it says in John chapter 20, everything Jesus did is not recorded here, but these are written that you may know and believe Jesus is the son of God and believing in him, you would have life. These are written so we would have life. Then John 21 says, everything Jesus did is not here. If it were recorded, it says the world couldn't even hold the books that would be written. But these are written. Sometimes we think, this is big, this is confusing, this is awesome. We'll spend the rest of our lives unpacking God's amazing word, who he is, what he's done, and now who we are what we get to do, how we get to live. This weekend, Siham and I realized that it was 20 years ago we first went to Africa. The last 10 years, 11 years, we've been exclusive, almost exclusively serving in Ghana. in About a year and a half ago, up in Bolgatanga, that's where we lived from 2010 to 2015, we began to transition back to the U.S., Back and forth, and still we're kind of in transition. But in Bogotanga, a year and a half ago, we're, we're on the street, and a young woman runs up to Siham and says, Mama, Mama Siham. Now, you got to get this. In Africa, brothers and sisters have eyes open. We're all related. Amen. We're all family. And especially in the family of faith, if I had anything to do with you coming to Christ or growing in Christ, then I'm your spiritual uncle or your spiritual father. Because of, of how God used the ham, she is Mama Siham to thousands of people. Thousands. Mama Siham, amen. That's right, at walk. If one claps, we don't leave them hanging. We clap for Jesus. But how Jesus has worked in my wife's life, it is no small thing. So there we are in Bolgatanga. Our young sister, our young daughter runs up Mama Siham, I remember. I remember. And I took it back to my my family compound, to my village. They all know, and they too remember. And here's what we're gonna talk about today. This is the truth of today. In eight words, she said, I remember God loved and God gave. We believe and we receive. That is the most important thing you need to know. The truth of the Bible is summed up in these four words, these two phrases, God loved and God gave. The response that we have to that is that we believe and we receive. Those eight words, if nothing else happens today, grab those words. Hold on to those words. These words will transform you. These words will carry you. Let's look at the verse, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I shared this earlier. My first exposure to John 3.16 was through a guy named Steve Austin. <laughs> and other athletes, John 3.16, John 3.16. That's what I knew about John 3.16. But now I know something more. Today, that's what we're going to unpack. Go, go back to the verse for me, would you, Ryan? Uh, okay, look at the verse right here. Here is the truth of what we're going to unpack today God loves us. God is love. The overarching character of God is love. God loves you. God's not mad at you. God's not looking for a way to trap you, trick you, hold you, control you. God loves you. And what do people in love do? They give. They sacrifice. Uh, Last week in the village, I was asking a group of women primarily, and I said, okay, you are sick, deathly sick, and your child is also deathly sick. We have a small one dose of medicine. It can cure one. What will you do? The, The answer was unanimous. I'll give it to my child. I asked a redundant question. Why? Because I love my child. Jesus said, although you who are wicked know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your Father in heaven. God loves us. We can't even comprehend his love. The the word in Greek is agape or agapeo, supernatural, divine, unconditional love that is demonstrated in, in a way we can't even comprehend. God loves us and God gave. People who love give. God is the ultimate giver, the giver of life. God gave his only son that whoever, that's everybody, believes in him would never perish. I always love to do this, to say, now, do I believe in this chair? No, not yet. Mm. I can feel it. I can I can hold it. I, it's tangible. I got this. How about now? No, not yet. Mm. Thank you. Now, I got some stuff that's important to me. Even this stuff, in a way, it represents much of my life, my family, my goals, some of the stuff God has given me to manage. Okay, now. hmm. (laughs) Okay, now, do I believe in the chair? Hmm. See, the truth is, you could pull the chair and I can still catch myself. You know, it's kind of me and the chair. According to the Bible, biblical belief is this. Now do I believe in the chair? That's what it means to believe, to transfer trust. It's not me and Jesus. It's not me and doing good and being good. And then what Jesus did that, that helps my life, moves my life forward, to believe is to put my full weight that is the heart of the message today. That is the meaning of John 3:16. "God loved and God gave. We believe and we receive." Why? Thank you. I think I need to give our son the microphone. <laughs> oh, why are you clapping? You mean, you want me to get down? <laughs> Would you say that with me? Would you repeat it with me? Because we don't want to miss this after day. Repeat after me. God loved? And God gave. gave. We believe believe. and we receive. receive. That is the gospel. That is the best possible news. You know, the Greek word for gospel is helion gilon. It's a big word. It's it's a word that is rarely used in Greek literature but widely used in the New Testament because it means it's so good, it's too good to be true. It is the best possible news. Okay, look at John 3.16 here in the Amplified. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave his one and only begotten son that whoever believes and trusts in him as Savior will never perish but have eternal life. If you know nothing of the Bible, start here. If you know plenty, you know much about the Bible, return here. Because the truth is in that verse. I often tell people, even in Africa, you don't need to know everything that's in here. Because they can't read, many of our brothers and sisters. Very perceptive. Very intelligent. Can speak ten languages. Different languages. Not dialects. Very, very intelligent. But never had the opportunity to be educated and follow Christ as real disciples. How? It's not about what you know. It's about who you know. Amen. 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 Wait. So let's look at this here, this quote. John 3.16 is the Mount Everest of Scripture passages from God's word. In this great verse, we see the highest statement of theology as it portrays God's nature as a God who deeply loves God. It portrays the genius of soteriology. That's a big word that simply means the doctrine of salvation or the understanding of salvation. As it shows how God planned to rescue mankind through the gift of his son. John 3:16 sums up God's nature, God's plan, and God's intent. I ask you the same thing I asked the first service. Today, when we leave here, would you like to know more about God's person and his presence, his program, his plan, his purpose for the world and for you? Would you like to know more about that, about his plan and his intent? Only three of you? Okay. I, too, I also want to know more. Today, we're going to know more. We're going to see the simplicity and the beauty that is in this truth. This magnificent, simple, profound, deep truth. I have some friends who always tell me, you know, I did a lot of reading in school. I don't like to read that much anymore. Okay, we're we're all still working on it. I often tell them, just focus on the most important thing. Then I have other friends who love to read and study and go deep. In fact, we have a couple of friends we say, they like to dive and swim and eat with the whales. You know, they want to go deep. And I'm telling you, today we're going to do a deep dive, but we're also going to see the profound simplicity that is in God's magnificent good news, the best possible news. So what we're going to do for a minute is look at the context of where John 3.16 comes from, this amazing truth. We'll look at the context. Why did Jesus say this? Where and when and to whom? That's what we'll look at. Then we'll dig in. So as Pastor Hyden would say, are you ready? Are you ready? ready. Why are you hungry? Yeah. All right, let's eat. All right, now, this is John chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, we know you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Much is said in there. Now we're going to do a quick overview of this. Jesus, uh, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. We could go back one. Nic- Nicodemus was a Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews. He was among an elite group of 70 who have taken an oath, a covenant, to not only study and obey the law as best they can, but to try to live holy. To live lives that are pleasing to God. Then to accurately interpret all the details of the law so they can help other people do the same. But Pharisees were the elite. They were the scholars. They were at the top of academia. So that's the, that's the world that, that Nicodemus comes from. Nicodemus comes from the world of do better, try harder, be better. Then you get closer to God. You see, when Nicodemus says, we know you are a teacher, it's very telling. It gives away Nicodemus's worldview because Nicodemus is a teacher. Later on, Jesus would say to him, how is it that you, the teacher in all of Israel, you don't understand? Like Jesus tells him later, you don't know God's word and you don't know how God works. See, Nicodemus comes from the world of you have an informed educated mind and a a committed will, that's how you get close to God. That's how you get right with God. You know, it's not so much different from United States Christianity. Go to church, read my Bible, do Bible study, memorize some verses, give a little, serve a little. Then God has to accept me. I'm doing the best I can, right? No different than Nicodemus. Nicodemus goes to Jesus by night. He's interested. He's drawn But he's got a position, and he's not ready to go public yet. That's a little dangerous. That's a little uncomfortable. He's not ready to go public. But he will go public later on. In great danger, he comes out with another man and handles the burial of Jesus. He gets some courage then because what Jesus says to him now becomes a reality to him later. Jesus tells him, you must be born again. That's what we're going to unpack for a minute. This is critical. This is huge. Born from above, spiritually transformed, renewed and sanctified. Sanctified has a dual meaning. It means to be made holy, to be washed clean, and to be set apart. There's another aspect of sanctified we'll look at later. Unless you are born from above, you can't even perceive what God is doing who he is, and what he's done. You can't even see it. Why can't you see it? Because of this. John Wesley, a famous preacher, was asked, why do you preach so often on you must be born again? And his answer was, because you must be born again. That's what Jesus is saying. It's not complicated, it's simple. A new birth is absolutely essential to enter the kingdom of God. See, this isn't This isn't do better, be better, try harder. Jesus is taking Nicodemus all the way back to creation. You see, back to the beginning. In the beginning when God created and he breathed life into us. Then he put us in a perfect environment with perfect provision, perfect protection. And he set a boundary. You know the story of Adam and Eve, our mother and father, our ancestors. And he said, if you cross this boundary, you will die. Not you're going to, he didn't say you're going to get messed up. You're going to be in trouble. If you cross, if you rebel, you're going to die. And we did. And we did. We didn't just make a mistake and, oh, now we're in trouble. We need to make, do something to make up for our lack of something. We died spiritually. That is the condition of human beings. We belong to a lost race. If, no one likes to hear that. Like, that's the bad news. We're talking about the good news, but there's bad news attached to it. Why is that news so good? Because apart from Christ, there is no hope. We are dead, spiritually dead, separated from God. A new birth is absolutely essential. Are you with me? Spiritually dead. That's what Jesus is telling Nicodemus. As smart as you are, as good as you are, as committed as you are, as worshipful as you are, all the things that you are doing, Nicodemus, you must be born again because you're dead. Then Jesus goes on to explain it to him. Look what Nicodemus says. How can a man be born when he's old? He cannot enter his mother's womb a second time and be born, can he? Jesus answered, I assure you, I most solemnly say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot ever enter the kingdom of God. First you can't see it. Then he says you can't enter it. That which is born of flesh is flesh. Spirit, physical is merely physical. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be surprised that I've told you, you must be born again. That is reborn from above, spiritually transformed, Renewed, a complete renewal, sanctified. Because the heart of the human problem is the heart of the human. Look what Scripture says. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? We've been studying through the book of Ephesians. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. And you were dead. Pastor Hayden taught that so well, we got to see the deep meaning in there. He showed us this is a flat line. This isn't, uh, you know, you're just kind of messed up and you need to get fixed up. No, you are dead. No life, no breath, no hope, no future. There is nothing spiritually dead. These are Jesus' words. These are the words in red. There is good news because God is taking care of this problem you were dead in your sin and trespasses in which, you, in which you once walked. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love which, with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with God, with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. See, it's a gift. It's a free gift. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You, nothing. It's a free gift of God. That's grace. Grace. What does it mean to be born again? To enter God's kingdom, to be reborn, requires something that is impossible by human standards. Jesus is referring to the Holy Spirit breathing breath into our sinful and dead nature. Just as in the garden we received the breath of life, we became not just physical living beings, we became alive spiritually. We were created in the image of God. We bear his image. That's spiritual Mind, body, spirit. I love to be reminded of this. You and I are not just physical beings. We are spiritual beings actually having a physical experience. That's who we are. Look what, look what Scripture says in Ezekiel. And I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take away your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. You hear that? It's a heart transplant. It's a new spirit. I always like to use this example. Before I'm born again, I'm a natural man with my natural thinking, my natural inclinations, my natural so-called strength. None of us have strength, by the way, because none of us keep our own commitments to ourselves, do we? The best thing to do is say, God, I can't, but you can. You're right and I'm wrong. I agree with you. And I'm moving back to your side. That's what repentance is. But here's where I was before I was born again. I was my, I was my natural man. And I tried to do good. I tried to be better. I tried, but my default, poof, is always back to my old man. But when I'm born again, I get a new spirit. I don't just get a reset in my default settings. I get a whole new software. Wow. I get a new spirit. Amen. And we're going to talk more about that. What does that look like? How does that play out in my life? I'm telling you I am not the same person. If you knew who I was before, a marine, an athlete, a drug addict, all those things that I was, success, failure, all mixed together inside my life. doing my be- I want to be better, do better, go better. I want to be better, do better, I want to get close to God.. <clears throat> you must be born again. Now you enter the kingdom of God. Amen amen get a new heart a new spirit therefore if anyone is in christ he is a new creation the old has gone the new has come can you say that if you and i are the same we were last year or the year before you know here's a question are you born again I present to you, you may not be born again. You cannot come to Christ and have the life of Christ alive in you and remain the same. You cannot. You see, I cannot. If my wife were here, she will stand up gladly and testify, not to say anything about me, but to say, look what God has done. To see life change in me, that's the biggest miracle I've ever seen. I know me. Only God can change a human heart. You see, now, sometimes I go back to my old way of thinking and behaving and desiring and getting offended. You know, all that rubbish that I carry in my natural man. But I can't stay there because Christ is in me and I am in Christ. I've been born again. What about you? Jesus said, you must be born again. Must. The Greek word for again is anothen. It means to do it again and to do it a second time. But it means to begin radically, a complete new beginning. Yes, it is a bit of a do-again, but it's something new. We were born physically once. We need to be reborn spiritually. That's what Jesus is saying. And this is from above. God must do it. It is speaking of something radical, a new beginning, a new birth. It comes from above. It does not come from man. It comes from God. God. We need to be made alive. That's what Jesus is saying. We don't need a makeover or a do over or a fix-up. We need to be made alive, reborn from above. That's what Jesus is saying. All right, that's the context of, of where we get John 3.16. Now let's look at two verses, John 3.14 and 15. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. This Moses lifting up a serpent was obscure to me for some years. Jesus once again takes Nicodemus back into the Word, into the book of Numbers, where the Israelites were once again in rebellion to God, in sin. And, and they were sinning against God. And God allowed fiery serpents to enter the camp of the Israelites. They were biting the people and they were dying by the scores. And then the people once again repented. That's how it works, isn't it? I get in trouble and I say, oh, God, why you do this to me? Help me. Protect me. Save me. Deliver me. Don't feel bad. We all do it. So the Israelites did it again. And God made a way for them. And Jesus is pointing to that and using it as a powerful, tangible example for Nicodemus and for you and I. Look what it says here. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent. I know that's a mouthful, but it's very significant. Serpent always represents sin in the scripture. Bronze always represents the judgment of God against that sin. Ju- bronze also represents repentance. Very significant that God tells Moses, you make a bronze serpent. Sin. Sin judgment, repentance, and you lift it up high. And he goes on to say, and if anyone was bit by a serpent and he would look up at the bronze serpent, he would live. You see, if anyone would make personal application of the meaning for themselves, they would live. You know, it, why did God do it that way? I don't know. But can you imagine, I know there must have been people in that camp who said, I'm not going to look up. I'm not going to look up. And they died. But to everyone who did look up, they were saved. That's where Jesus is taking Nicodemus back in his educated mind. You see that? What, look what Jesus says here in, in John chapter 12. And when I'm lifted up on the cross, I will draw everyone to me. Look at that verse again now in the Amplified. Just as Moses lifted up the bronze serpent in the desert on a pole... So the Son of Man must be lifted up on the cross so that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. After physical death, they'll live forever. Jesus is saying that is a picture of me. If you will look at Jesus on the cross and believe that he's dying for you in your place, then God forgives your sin and you receive the gift of God, the life of God. You are spiritually born at that moment a new spirit. Jesus is saying, to be born again, you must look at me. That's what Jesus is saying. This whole discourse with Nicodemus, he's, he's reminding Nicodemus, you are dead. and You need to be made alive. You must look to me to be made alive. Now we get to John 3.16. We saw the context. Now God so loved the world. That he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Look what Matthew Henry says about that verse. Here is the gospel indeed, the good news, the best that has ever come from heaven to earth. The best possible news. Here is much. Here is all in a little. Here is all in a verse the word of reconciliation in miniature the one thing you need to know the most important thing you need to know is this god loved and god gave are you with me yes. god loved and god gave that's what you need to know that's what our daughter ran up to us and said in africa i remember and not only do i remember many others remember god loved and god gave that's who God is, and that's what He's done. I love this. We just celebrated Christmas. Incarnation. God became a man, and Christmas. Jesus was given to us on the cross. He was given for us. This kind of love. This is agape love. Agape, oh love. Supernatural love. Like you and I don't know. How do we know what this love looks like? This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. I used to always ask my granddaughter, how much do we love you, grandma and grandpa? She would say, grandma and grandpa love me like a circle. Why? Because it has no beginning and no end. It just keeps going on and on. So we say, how much does Jesus love you? The the example is weak because Jesus loves more. And she would say, He loves me this much. (laughs) And I say, how much is that? She say, he gave himself on the cross for me. Amen. This is how much. You see, just at the right time, God's time is always the right time, when we were still powerless, dead in our sin and trespasses, spiritually dead, not alive, Christ died for the ungodly, but he demonstrates You know, love is always a demonstration. Actions speak louder than words, right? God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Look at this quote from Don Moen. What an amazing scripture. God loved us while we were unlovable people. He reached out to us when we were unreachable. Knowing we would fail him, deny him, spurn his unconditional love, he still gave Unconditionally, God loved and God gave. Look at this scripture verse here. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Let me tell you something. If you have a love problem, you may not be born again. I'll tell you this I don't love like I could or should or I'm going to as I continue to mature in Christ. But I love now. I love you, I love His church. I love those who don't know him. I love everybody now. I didn't used to. I mean, maybe a little. But don't get in my way. Don't cross me in traffic. I don't love you anymore. <laughs> ah, Thank you for being honest. You're like me. <laughs> you see, before, I didn't really love. But now, I do love. Why? Because I've been born again. Because his love is alive in me. Whoever doesn't love doesn't know God. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son. We're going to talk about that for a few minutes. Into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God loved and God gave. I hope after today you'll never forget What's the most important thing you need to know from here? God loved and God gave. No more confusion. No more intimidation. No more overwhelmed. I can't remember all that. It's too many words. Here's what you need to remember. God loved and God gave. What did he give? He gave his one and only son. Oh, Now this is not, now my brother and sister Donna and Lothar are here. They have a son. They have one son. That's not what this means. This means so much more than that. Do you want to know what it means? The Greek word for one and only is monogenes. See, it's two words put together. Manos and genes, we get the word genes. It means the only species, the only race, family, origin, offspring, the only of its kind. It's a word that's not used much. Because there are very few monogenists in creation. And Jesus is the monogenist. Look with this. God is the father of all humanity. And Jesus alone, this is our new walk church word, is the monogenic son of God. Jesus is God in a bod. That's what it is. Jesus alone has God's genetic makeup. Jesus himself said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. That's what Jesus said. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. Do you see that exact representation? The monogenetic Son, the one and only. Listen to these, these passages. Please Trek with me. I know, I said we are going to go simple, but we're going to do a deep dive. I know this is heavy. The verses are just coming. Pop, pop, I know. Let your mind be alert. Let your spirit be sensitive, please. God is doing something today. Don't miss it. Listen to these verses. They're some of my favorite favorite verses that talk about the one and only. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, to all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children born, not of natural descent, born again, nor a husband's decision, or a or a human decision, or husband's will, but born of God, born again. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. The Word became a man and moved into your neighborhood. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God. And he is in closest relationship with the Father. He has made him known. Jesus is the one and only, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, the Savior, God and Abad, Jesus, the one and only. Jesus is also Let's go back one. Jesus is the one and only way to the Father. He's not only the one and only, the only one and only. He is the only way. Look what he himself says. I am the way, the truth, the life. What life is that? The life of God. The word became flesh. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. God loved and God gave. Are you getting it? You remember those four words. Don't ever forget those four words. Like our daughter said over in, in in the village in Africa. God loved and God gave. She got it. She took it home to her family, took it to the village, and they got it. Most of them can't read. Many are following Christ to this day because she understood the good news and she was able to share the good news. She, doesn't, she didn't know everything in here. She didn't need to. She knew him. She knew God loves and God gave. Do you know? I hope after today you will never forget who he is and what he's done. Look at the scripture says, salvation is found in no one Else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Remember, Jesus said you must be born again. That means it's compulsory. There's no other option. This is the one way. This is it. But that's not bad news. That's good news. It's simple. It's not confusing. You don't have to trip and stumble and find the way. We know the way. Jesus himself said, my sheep know my voice. They follow me. If you're hearing his voice today, follow him right now, today. This word right here, given, so amazing. In the Greek, it's the perfect tense. It means it's a one-time event, never to be repeated again. Just like when God was born, the incarnation, that means, that's when he was given One time, never to be repeated again. When Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life, died a sacrificial death in my place, went in the grave and rose on the third day, when Jesus did that, it was given. Salvation was given. The way was made. Can I get an amen on that? Uh, Amen. Salvation, we we saw that word earlier, soteriology, the, the, the doctrine of salvation. I knew some of you would be thinking, well, what does that word mean? What is that? What is that? So let's go back to that. This is, a, this is a summary of it. Salvation is not just being saved for heaven. It is that, but it's so much more. Justification, saved from the future penalty of sin. Sanctification, saved from the power of sin now. I no longer have to keep on sinning. Sometimes I, I kind of start sinning, but I can't stay there. I'm not that guy anymore. How about you? Where are you? We must be born again. God loved and God gave. We believe and we receive. What do we receive? That's what we're going to talk about now. Sanctification, that means I've been made holy, washed clean, set apart. And now I'm becoming in practice who I already am in position. God sees me clean because of Jesus. Now I'm learning to act like it. Learning to live like it. That's the process of sanctification. Glorification, I'm saved from the presence of sin. That's heaven. That's being in God's presence. There is no more temptation, no more sin, no more corruption, no more effects of sin. It is a perfect environment in the presence of our perfect God. Holiness. You know, the definition of the word holiness is to be clean, perfectly clean. That's what that is. Saved from the presence of sin. Clean. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, intellectually clean like God. That's amazing. Whoever believes in him. Whoever. That's all inclusive. That's everybody. Whoever, wherever, however, whenever. And it is forever. Everybody. Whenever, however. That's an all inclusive word. Love that word. Kind of self-explanatory, but thought we better look at it. Look at this next one. Believes. Whoever believes, this is so important. Don't miss this. These next two points, and then we're going to close. We believe, we receive. What does belief look like? Biblical belief is to transfer our trust onto Jesus. Faith alone in Christ alone. That's what biblical belief is eternal life. This is it. Okay, when we believe, we receive. What do we receive? We receive eternal life. Now don't miss this, please. I know we've been talking for a a bit. We're about to get ready to wrap it up. The Greek word for eternal life is zoe. What an amazing word, zoe. It is the life of God. That's what zoe is. The life of Christ alive in me. Me alive in the life of Christ. When we get eternal life, zoe, we literally get God life. Remember, My my dead spirit is removed, and I'm given the spirit of God, Zoe. That's what it means to be born again. That's what it means to be saved, to be safe, no longer in danger, completely forgiven, washed clean, in right relationship with God. When Jesus talks about eternal life, he is not just talking about a quantity of life, a duration of life. He's talking about a quality of life now, not just later. You see, Jesus knew something you and I we don't know. It's not just that some people live forever and some don't. Everybody lives forever. John 17, John, I mean, John 3.17, John 3.18 go on to say Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world, because the whole world is already condemned. The whole world is already spiritually dead, separated from God. Everyone. It's already there. It's not about do you live forever. It's about where and how do you live forever. That, that's part of the good news. It's part of the bad news, too. Look at this. Jesus said himself, I have come that they may have Zoe and have it to the full abundance, abundant life. Look at this verse here. This is how we know that we live in Him and He in us. That's Zoe. That's eternal life. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, look what it says. God lives in them and they in God. Zoe. Are you getting it? It's so much more than we think. Let's go to the next one. And so we rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. I always say this now. You, you, you don't hear me bragging about my love for God much anymore. I'll always tell you, mm, I'm still learning. I'm still growing. But one thing I will tell you is he loves me. Like I know he loves you. I can believe that. But I know who I am and where I come from and how I am and what I am. I know all that. You don't know all that. But I know. I know me. And the fact that he loves me. He died for me. When he was hanging on the cross and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He was thinking about me. Not just you, me. That's amazing to me. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. You see it? Zoe. It goes on to say, in this world, we are like Jesus. Zoe. We believe, we receive. In this life, we're like him. That's an amazing truth to me. You're being kind of quiet over that. Scripture says this: Christ is in you. That's the hope of glory. Amen. We're getting ready. To, we're getting ready to close, but I, 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 you can't miss this. Just a week ago, in a village, I was with a spiritual son, if you will, my brother, Pastor Timothy, and we were comforting a family who was grieving, who had lost a daughter, and it was painful. We wept together. We mourned together. We encouraged them and prayed for them. And while we were there, a woman got up from across the way, and she looked at me, and she walked straight at me, pointing her finger, repeating several times. She said, Pastor Gary, I see Christ in you. I see Christ in you. Amen. Amen. When that happened, the hair on the back of my neck stood up because I knew the Holy Spirit was speaking in and through my sister. My sister in Christ. I see Christ in you, she said. Then she got up and told a group of people. She said, God sent Pastor Gary here so that we could know him. We could be saved and our village could be delivered from darkness. Can you, oh, what an undeserved privilege for me to hear those words. Me, the chief of all sinners. But I'm, I've been born again. I do believe and I have received. The life of Christ is alive in me. Me alive in the life of Christ. Why? Yes. I see Christ in you, sister. I do. I see Christ in y'all. I see Christ in you. Walk church. I see Christ in you. Amen. 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 Christ in you, the hope of glory. When we receive eternal life, we get God life. The life of God comes alive in us. That's what it means. The best way I understand and can share that, it is the life of Christ alive in me. Me alive in the life of Christ. It's a whole new experience. Now I'm a whole new person. Amen. And if you don't know that experience, don't wait another day. It's so simple. God loved and God gave we believe and we receive god life eternal life zoe amen don't forget these words i want to, i want you to do something with me we're about to close and i hate to do Simon says but this just helps it stick would you repeat after me god loved, god loved. and god gave. god gave we believe we, believe. we receive I'm telling you with all my heart, I believe that is the heart and the deepest, most important truth from God's holy word right there. Once again, God loved, God gave. We believe, we receive. So if I meet you seven years from now, wherever God has you, whatever platform God has given you, I see you there. When I hear these words from you, I remember... I remember the best possible news. Not only I but now others remember. What do you remember? God loved. God gave. We believe, we receive. Amen. What do we receive? I want to I want to tell you this story. A man was about to graduate, a young man from university. And he he suffered through school for some years. Lots of schooling, 10 years, about to graduate. Dad says, son, I want to bless you. What do you want? I'll give it. The boy said, I want a new car. The dad said what I would say, hmm. <laughs> hey, you don't ask them all, though. Mm. Let's pray. Graduation came, commencement came, party came, gifts were given, things were celebrated, party's over, everyone's gone, cleaning up. Nothing from dad yet. Everybody's quiet. The son's just kind of hanging around, just hanging around. Dad finally says, ah, I remember. He went and brought his favorite Bible, gave it to the boy, said, God bless you, son. I love you. The son said, mm? <laughs> I asked for a car. You Give me a book. The son took the book back in the house. The closer he got to his room, the more angry he got. He was vexed. The son took the book, tight threw it in the corner, packed his bag, left the house. He didn't go home for five years. The father died. Now the son came back for the funeral. People gave praises about the father, told stories. This man loved God. This man loved people. This man, to the best of his ability, submitted his, his life to the authority of the word of God. Baba, on and on it went. The son said, mm, I don't know anything about all that. The son went back to the room, picked it up, and said, What's the big deal? Like, what's in here that's so good? And he said, Ah, it was the papers and the keys to a new car. Ah, you see, the son, the gift was given, but the son didn't believe. So he couldn't receive. He didn't believe, and he didn't receive. That's a physical, temporal thing, a car. God has given the ultimate gift. Why would we not receive it? Why would we we not say, no, I don't need you. I can stand on my own two feet. Why would we not say, Jesus, save me. I don't want to stand on my own anymore. I need you. I want you. Let's close with this verse. This is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. We'll never think of it the same, will we? Zoe. And this life, Zoe, is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has Zoe. Life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have Zoe. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have so a eternal life. We're coming to a time of, of response. And our, our brother Jason is going to sing an amazing song. And I pray that you will sing these words. He sing, The song talks about the letters, the words in red. The letters in red. That's what we did today. We took a dive into a few of the words in red. The most important. I pray you will let the words of this song be your heart cry and your worship. Part of the words of this song say, from that day when those red letters spoke to me, it shook my world, and I've been a changed man. What about you? Have you experienced that kind of change from God, brother, sister? Maybe you've been in church for years, but if you're honest, you say, I I don't know. I don't know if I've been born again because I've never changed. You cannot have Zoe and not change. The life of Christ alive in me, me alive in the life of Christ, it changes everything. changes me from the inside out. Well, amen. I'm going to pray, and I invite you to pray with me. But while we sing this song, sing those words for yourself and do business with God. Now is the time of God's favor. Today is the day of salvation. Don't let it pass.